I'm Tony Miller with KCDM, your host for the show this evening. Thanks for joining us for the new show here on KCDM, Father Mike at the Mic. The concept for the show is having guests from the parish gather around the table and talk about issues affecting our lives and how the church fits into those lives. Father Mike has found it in his heart again to show up and join us. Father Mike, welcome. Thank you. It's Th- good to be here. Thanks for coming out in the uh, the snow and winter weather and it's, cold. It's snowing outside. It End is of January and it's really snowing. It is again. A lot of ice out there. You know, I have a theory about that whole thing. What's that? Well, I think with December being so warm and not having any snow, mm-hmm. I think God looked down and said, you know, the whole country's going to be looking at Iowa when the caucuses happen. And <laughs> if there isn't snow piled high on the ends of the parking and everything, people won't even know what they're looking at. That's right. So he gave us a whole winter's worth of weather in a week and a half. He surely did. I hope so. I think it's a sick joke myself. (laughs) (laughs) And our guests tonight, I'd like to welcome John Champagne. Thank you for inviting us. We're happy to be here. And his wife, Doris. Nice to be here with you. Oh, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you braved the weather to come out too. (laughs) We we had to, to do a little stuck car maintenance and get Father Mike out of his alley, but... They rescued me. I was stuck in the alley. I couldn't go anyplace, so... John and I got him pushed out and got his car put back in the garage. Thank you for that. It was a pleasure doing it. We do the same for a normal priest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm going to skip it. (laughs) Um, Well, John and Doris, why don't you introduce yourselves here real quick? I remember the first time I met you was at uh, the first time I went to Bible study. I had been away from the church for several years and came back and, and started a Bible study. And that's that's how I've met a lot of the parishioners. Well, gotten to know them better. Uh, Doris and I had been living in Florida for about 11 years, and we moved back uh, to Iowa, hometown, so Doris could get close to her mother. And I'd been really involved in Bible study at the my former parish in Florida. I wanted to start one back back up here, so that happened and I think you were there the second year I can't remember what we were doing uh, Matthew or something Revelation or I think it was uh, no I did Acts after I did the Salvation History so it might have been Matthew and yeah, we did Matthew and then we did Acts I did timeline I've done the timeline uh, Jeff Caven's timeline study four or five times here and two or three times in Florida so I'm real familiar with that, but getting to meet a lot of parishioners and uh, watching their hunger <laughs> to learn more about what's in the Bible yeah, is really exciting, and Doris joins me in that. I do. I really do. I was a born Catholic. I was, I think, I stepped away from my faith for quite a few years, and then when we were living in Florida, I decided it was time to come back to our faith, so I started attending the local parish there in um, Florida, and John went with me, and from then on, we just started um, growing our faith daily and weekly, and then we got into Bible studies down there, we came back here to Iowa, joined the Divine Mercy Parish, and um, been active in the parish ever since. Now, you do uh, you do Mass 
what do they call it, mass setup or sacristan? Is that, I, is that what they call that? Well, no, I just, the only thing I do on a, I schedule the ministries for the daily mass at St. Mary's. Oh, okay. You know, type thing. That's what I handle. Plus, she also opens the church every morning at 7 o'clock on a, five days a week. Six days a week. Oh, six, a Saturday. That's right. We Saturday, Saturday now. We have a Saturday morning mass now. Yeah. Even I can't get in without doors. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. We are very blessed to have these two as members of the parish, you know. And, You're and kind. They're exciting and uh, they're fun to be around and they know a little bit about the Bible and uh, they're not afraid to talk about it. And I think that's, that's wonderful. It makes our job as priests a lot easier. It, it's good to be here with a fellow retrovert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We always have our reasons for stepping away, but it is so great to come back mm -hmm. and understand the Catholic faith and what it really is mm -hmm. about. And doing the Bible in a year and the Catechism in a year, we've been, done both of those in the years, in the last couple of years, and both of them strengthen our faith quite a bit. Yeah, and it's it's always funny when you tell somebody the story of, of being away for five years and you tell them, you know, they said, how'd you go back? And I said, well, I went to confession and did confession and then started going back to Mass again and taking communion again. And they said, that's all you had to do? And I said, yeah, that's all you have to do. Go back and ask Jesus for forgiveness and exactly right. go back to Mass and start receiving communion again. And it is that simple. Um, God makes it real easy to draw close to him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you really discover the treasures that we have as Catholics. Uh, that a lot of people who never have never have stepped aside for a while to look at it in a new way, they don't really realize that, you know. So you guys have been doubly blessed in so many ways. And, it, you know, it, it gives our job as priests a lot. So it makes it a lot easier because we have somebody that we can point to. Not that we would point to you from the pulpit or anything like that, but that we have people who can tell other people that what we're saying from the pulpit is true. And I think that's a, that personal experience is wonderful. And that's one, one thing when uh, Doris first started to go back on a regular basis. And she said, well, I'll go with you. And from the first Mass, I was hooked. Mm -hmm. Really was. Just, I knew there was something there. Mm -hmm. So you and, weren't Catholic? No. Okay. No. Um, in fact, um, a lot of people that know me here don't know my history. Okay. And they, and they say, you know, I've only been Catholic Since for nine years. Yeah. Okay. And really, they say, really? <laughs> <laughs> and what drew me to the Catholic faith once I started attending Mass and studying the church was how much the church guards the truth has for centuries, has since the beginning, when there were a lot of, and, and still today there are, but, you know, the, the heresies that popped up, and they mm -hmm. had to defend the church and defend the church and defend the truth, the truth that was handed on by, handed to us by Christ. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's still a lot of that going on yeah, today. Sure. <laughs> but, but it, it, it uh, you know, there's so many of our church fathers defended it so, so brilliantly. So well. Yeah, it's funny. I think I've met a lot of converts that, well, my dad was a convert. 
and my mom was was pretty ardently Catholic, um, but my dad was even more so. Um, I love what you tell me he told you when he learned that you weren't going. <laughs> what did he tell you? You have to. We, we were sitting in the car at a stoplight, and I, I just, off the cuff, I just told him that I wasn't going to church, wasn't going to Mass. And he about fell out of the car. <laughs> and he just looked at me and said, Tony, you've got to fix that. You got to promise it. me you'll fix that. He knew something was broken. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he was right. And the funny thing was, I went home last night and they went into bed early and I was watching TV and a Catholics come home ad came on the TV <laughs> and I went, okay, all right, I get it. You're getting the message. Huh? I get it. I get it. Um, so that's kind of, that was my beginning of the, the, the trip back to the Your church. journey back in. Yeah. 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 And that's so relevant for today because one of the complaints I hear so often from really distressed parents is that their kids don't go to church anymore. And it really bothers them because that's one of the gifts that they wanted to make sure that they handed on to them, yes. you know, as parents. And uh, God works in strange ways, you know. And he, here in this case, he's using people who were not Catholic to begin with or people who were Catholic, but then left for a while and then they came back. And he's using all of those things to strengthen the faith that's always been there, you know, and give it new insight into the lives of people. That's so true. All right. Well, Father Mike, if you want to give us an opening prayer here to get us uh, get us started, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we can continue with this discussion, or we can uh, move on. Good. Sounds good. I'll be happy to do that. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing tonight as we begin a new phase in our Catholic radio here in Des Moines County. Uh, give us the grace to do your will in all that we say. Uh, give us insight into the will of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us to understand more fully what you want us to do. Make us more faithful in that. We ask all of this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike. Um, where do we want to go from here? Do we want to keep keep on the subject of that we were on, or do you want to switch gears and break to the gospel? It's after you. You are the moderator, whatever you want. <laughs> I always try to get Tony involved more fully, you know. He, he puts the show on the road, you know. He this gets the car moving in one, more than one way. This isn't supposed to be retrovert Tony at the mic. This no. is supposed to be Father Mike at the mic. I know, I know. But, uh, I think if we had Tony at the mic more often, we'd learn just as much. Well, we could talk about a little bit about, we were talking about coming back to the church and stuff and how you did it and I did it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there who have stepped away from their faith and they need to hear, how do I come back? Mm -hmm. Sure. Very you know, important. Sort of thing. And um, we do have this um, program running now that um, the, meets on Sunday afternoon. The Catholics Return Home program. Yes. Yeah, that's a five or six weeks program. Uh, it's been, the first week was last Sunday, I believe. Two Sundays ago. Two Sundays ago. So, so we got just three more weeks. By the time you hear this, it'll you're be probably almost, wrapping it'll up. It'll be almost over, yeah. But um, it's, it's still a good avenue to just go and talk to the people and see what it takes, you know, and they can always schedule one-on-one -on -one meetings also, not just a group meeting, but one-on-one -on -one sessions with them. 
and um, they'll help you bring you back into the faith. You know, yeah. Anytime anybody's interested in coming back to the church, um, the priests are, are uh, call the office, We're and ready. make yeah. an appointment with sure. a priest and talk to one of the priests because they're, they're more than willing to sit down with you and work through it. And you never have to be afraid of what we'll think, you know, about what your own individual story or your own individual journey. Uh, we've heard everything. I've always, I've always told people, I spent a lot of time in high school work with teenagers. And sometimes when we're talking about confession, especially, they get really nervous about, oh, I don't know what you'll think of me if I tell you some of the things I've done wrong. But I always tell them, I say, you know, I've got $50 in my pocket. I didn't, but I lie. And I say, <laughs> I say, I have $50 in my pocket. And if you can tell me one thing that I haven't heard of or talked about with somebody else in their life, you know, I'll give you that $50. And then I kind of wink at them and I say, you know what? The $50 is still there. So uh, it's, uh, I really don't have $50. I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't uh, fib like that, but uh, it gets the point across. Right. And that's really important. So. I'm sure they'd give you their address and you could mail it. Oh, to I'm them. sure they would. <laughs> They're still coming back asking where that $50 is. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, we all know people that need to come back to the church. Mm -hmm. And I keep throwing this out, and I don't do it either. I've done it maybe once, and I need to do it more frequently. If you just invite somebody to come to Mass with you. You don't even have to pressure them and say, I don't want you to go every Sunday. Yeah. I just want you to come once with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to, you know, maybe it's when you're an usher or a lector sometimes, maybe come hear me lector or something, you know, come, come with me, sure. come with me to mass. And there's a few people I should do that with. Yeah. And if we'd all do that on a, not a, every Sunday, but, you know, pick the times you want to invite somebody to join you in worship that's not attending. Right, and most of us don't even have to go outside of our families to find Absolutely somebody not. that needs an invitation. No. Absolutely. Uh, even extended family, you know, your sure. cousins and aunts mm -hmm. and uncles and that kind of thing. It, 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 you, it, don't, you don't tell them, and it's not a, you don't do it in a, in a, to tell them to go to Mass. You invite them to come with right. you. So like inviting them out to dinner or something. Sure, we'll have breakfast afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the people that are here at this table invite me out for breakfast after Sunday Mass all the time. In fact, I don't know how much money I owe John here, but I owe him a great deal. So anyway, you know, it's funny because some people, their reasons for not coming to a Catholic Church Mass is because they are embarrassed about whether or not they're going to do what everybody else does in church, standing and kneeling and uh, sitting and what they're just afraid of they'll they'll look awkward. And they're they're afraid everybody's looking at everybody's them. Everybody's looking at them, and that's not true at all. No. You know, whether if they go with somebody, sure, if they go with somebody, they, then they, they can. And I've I've had people in Bible study; they're a little shy, mm -hmm. and they want to sit by Doris and I or somebody else that they know, mm -hmm. so they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing you're talking about. Sure, they want to have a comfort level, and if they go with somebody. You know, they might not go to Mass on their own, but mm -hmm. if somebody extends that warm invitation, sure. it, it might make a difference. Yeah. Well, and we all have, as as 
baptized Catholics, we all have an obligation to evangelize and to spread the word um, and whenever you get the chance. And I know John's a lot better at that than I am, but you try to find those openings in conversations with people and especially when people find out you're Catholic. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm friends with a, a lot of apostolics and you know, they, they don't really coexist with Catholics too well. They haven't, but mm -hmm. they're so full of faith. Sure. So absolutely full of faith. And the one I wash windows for a lot of them. And, and there's one that, all the time. We talk faith all the time. And she went, I can't remember where, where, where'd she go to have, with those pictures of those churches? Was it Germany or I France? I'm not sure where. But anyway, she had all these pictures of these Catholic churches mm -hmm. she had taken. And she couldn't wait to show it to me. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't wait to show it. She looked so excited. And there's this one that had a lot of blue and white and white. Look at this white church and look mm -hmm. at this. And there's the altar. And there, look at all these saints. And uh, and she and she says, "Did you know there's a saint in the altar?" <laughs> and I says, "Well, yes, I did know yeah, that." I sure. says, "Do you know why it's there?" Yeah. So she gave me an opening, sure, to explain why that saint is in in the altar. You know, and she didn't know that. Why is the saint in the altar? In the beginning of Christianity, after Christ's resurrection. Where were a lot of the masses held? Usually in the catacombs. What were the catacombs? Uh, burial grounds. So where's a good horizontal surface to hold a mass on? In a, in a, in a, on a coffin. On a coffin where a saint was buried. Mm -hmm. And so that tradition is carried forward. Sure. The church brought that forward. Well, in a lot of the churches, like St. Peter's Basilica... St. Peter is actually buried beneath, beneath the, the altar, altar in St. Peter's yeah. Basilica. Mm -hmm. I saw where he's buried. I was in Rome in, 19, in 2014. And, uh, you know, when you go to Rome, one of the big things that a priest wants to do is say Mass in St. Peter's. And they must have 200 altars in St. Peter's all over. It's just St. Peter's Basilica in Rome is larger than the Capitol building of the United States. Mm -hmm. So that gives you an idea of how large it is. So they have hundreds of altars scattered all over the place. And uh, I didn't plan this in any way other than I made my registration that I was a, a, a kind of a, a pilgrim from the United States and the group and I wanted to have mass in St. Peter's. And so when I went there to you know get that thing all taken care of, I remember they gave me a little ticket and it gave a number of the altar, the chapel that I was to go to for my, my group and myself to have mass. And you know where that was? It was the chapel where Pope John Paul II is buried. Wow. And so I had my mass on the tomb of St. John Paul II, the Pope that died, you know, in 2005. And then I was very close to, you know, all my readings and that I had met personally and so I couldn't, I was just over, overwhelmed by that. Well, that was God's gift is what it was, you know. Absolutely. He, he wanted me to have Mass at that place, and everybody else thought that I was something else because I was able to swing that, as they said it. <laughs> and I said, I had nothing to do with it, you know. It was just, it just came out of the blue. Grace and I have God. a picture of myself saying Mass on top of the altar. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Like that. It really is.
The Holy Spirit can do wonderful things. He certainly does. And it's always usually out of the blue. You talk about white and blue colors and all that. It's just beautiful. Well, very good. Um, let's um, let's go ahead and re read the gospel for okay. the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time. We're, we're done with Christmas now, and we're on to Ordinary Time. And okay. we, let's see, Ordinary Time won't break again now till when? Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. February 14th this year, St. Valentine's Day, of all times to have to begin Lent. But every couple of years it happens that way, so... So anyway. Easter's going to be really early this year, isn't it? March, March 31st? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be nice. So you won't even know that you're having Lent because it'll go by so fast. it does. Oh, come on, Father. I, I don't believe not, that at all. I am not a Lent-type person. so. <laughs> but anyway, I, I accept it the way it is. <laughs> all right, Father Mike, would you like to uh, read the gospel for us? I will. The Lord be with you. And, and with your spirit. spirit. Reading today from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. 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 On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her, and he approached and grasped her by the hand and helped her up. And then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought him all brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone's looking for you. And he told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. And so he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons through the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father Mike. Well, what's everybody's first impression of that reading? He cured, was it Peter's mother-in-law? Simon. Mm -hmm. Simon. Simon Peter's. Simon Peter's. Yeah. Mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. Wasn't there a reading, was it the second Sunday or the third Sunday? Jesus curing a mother-in-law? That was probably Mark's reading. This one's from, is this one Mark? This is Mark. Mark. Okay, yeah. that was yeah. probably John. I thought we just had a, I thought we just had a reading like that because Father Jake uh, made a joke about uh, Simon Peter not being real tickled about him healing his mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't recall. You know, the word gets out, doesn't it? Good news travels like, in those days, it seems like the good news traveled faster than the bad than news the that tra travels today. <laughs> I think that's yeah. true. I think I mean, that's very uh, true. I mean, because, you know, that, that second paragraph, when it was evening, after the uh, sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. Mm -hmm. Not just some, all. All. Yeah. And, and the and, whole town. And says the whole town was there. The whole town. 
We don't know how big a town it was. No, but but even if it was a small town by our standards, that was a lot of people to become gathered at the door. And this is still fairly early in his ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's what's the significance of after sunset? Do we know why that's mentioned? Because it went into the next day, went into the Sabbath or something, or I don't know what day of the week we're talking about. You know, they were in synagogue, but it doesn't say they were after leaving the synagogue. Jesus entered the house. No, it doesn't say. Hmm. I'd look at the previous. uh, Those are the weird kind of things that 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 cross my mind after I read the gospel. I used to just wonder about the whole thing, but yeah. now I wonder about bits Every and pieces word, of it. As Jeff Caveman says, there are no wasted words in the Bible. No wasted words. No throwaway words. Yeah, right. Every word. And so that, that there's some significance in that. I don't sure. know what it is without doing some studying. And when you think of the, and you know this from your teaching of the scriptures and everything, but when you think of the many translations that the Bible has gone through from the very beginning, when they first wrote them, Jane over John and and Matthew and Mark all wrote these words down and the many translations they've gone through. And yet they've all been faithful to the original message, you know. And that's right. There is nothing insignificant in the scriptures. So that's why it's that's one of the fun things about studying the Bible uh, after you get over the immensity of what you've got in front of you. But to do exactly what Tony was saying and concentrate just on a, a few of the little things that are separated by commas, you know, like after sunset. Why was it after sunset, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at our Lord working in the morning, you know, but before that he went out to pray, before the sun even rose. You know? How often do we hear he rises early? Rises early, yeah. Or he goes off in the evening. He's praying, yeah. con- he prayed Pray constantly. constantly. Like, yeah, yeah, it said Jesus true. went off uh to, to be alone to pray. To pray. Um, what can we learn from that? Yeah. And who's he praying to? God the Father. God yes, the Father. Heavenly Father, yeah. right? Yes. Who does he want to be close to? Yeah. He wants to be close to him, and he wants us to be close to him so that we can be close to his Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wants to bring us with him. With him, yeah. And that's a good lesson to listen to when you listen to that, that he went off to pray. That's a good thing for us to stop and think about. Take that 20 minutes or 30 minutes a day in silence, just sit there and read the scriptures or pray. It can do wonders for your heart and soul. January 1st was tough for me because I've been doing the catechism in a year, and I started it January of 2023. Mm-hmm. Well, when it got to be Christmas time, I was going, what am I going to do when I'm done with catechism in a year? Because I used to get up in the morning and then I do my catechism in the year while I'm drinking my coffee. And I've discovered the Hallow app now. Yes. That's and good. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the process of building a routine in the morning and a routine before I go to bed. And I've got it worked out now so that it starts with the Hail Holy Queen and it ends with the Hail Holy Queen. So I start my day with the Hail Holy Queen and end it with the same prayer. So we, uh, we, we do something similar. We're, we do the, there's a trivia game on there, five questions. On the Hallow yeah. app. Yeah. And a lot of them are about the saints. And some of them are about the readings that day. 
So you have to do the readings that day and, mm -hmm. and maybe look up, listen to a few reflections to get some flavor of it and then read the saint of the day. And there's usually more than one saint to read. So you read through one or two or three saints. And then after I do that, before I go to the trivia, then I like to enter into a prayer where I'll, I'll pray mm -hmm. and about uh, praising God and what's going on and, and any intentions I want to offer to him. Yeah. And I find when I go through that whole routine like that religiously, I mean, faithfully. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I do better. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a, it, it gets you a better start to your day. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. It's a matter it, of habit. You know, it's a matter of being used to doing something really good like that. I wish we would have had your advice when we were in the seminary because they just, they just told us you're getting up at 530 and we're going to have... 15 minutes of meditation, and then we're going to have Mass, and, you know, so it was, but they didn't, uh, once in a while they'd refer to the fact that Jesus went out into the desert early in the morning to pray, and that was the reason we had to pray. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, we could hardly even recognize what was going on. We were so, you know, we were so tired. But we had to go to bed. The lights were out at 10 o'clock in the seminary. And I can remember taking my flashlight to me, to bed with me, uh, so I could study under the covers because I had a test the next day, but yeah. the lights went out all over the seminary at 10 o'clock. So you had to organize your, your day. Oh, you know? yeah. And I think that was part of it. And that's too. part of the training. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they, they try to get you ready for the disorganization of parish life because if there's one thing the parish is not, is not known for is being organized. You've got to be ready for anything that happens at any time, you know, so. Yeah, there's a. Which is okay. From when I was in Florida, there was a priest that he was also in the, uh, he was first in the uh, Air Force as an intelligence officer. Mm -hmm. And then a uh, Monsignor Crawford down there recruited him into the priesthood. Okay. And, but he stayed in the reserves, so he'd have to go serve. And this is during the Gulf War where okay. we were down there. And they really needed a chaplain. They were really short on chaplains. So mm -hmm. the, the uh, head of the armed Gosh. services, uh, Head chaplain there asked our bishop if they could have our priest for 90 days. Oh, okay. And we had two or three priests at the parish, so mm -hmm. they could afford to. So he went. And when he came back, I saw him in the, uh, the rectory, not the rectory, the, uh, the hall there. Mm -hmm. And he'd just gotten back and he was still in his fatigues. Okay. So said, Father Pete, this is welcome back. And he's got a question. How is it? different being a priest in the Air Force and being a priest here. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, it's really easy to answer that question because when I'm in the reserves and in the Air Force, I can just be a priest. I can minister to people, help them, and that's all I have to do. I don't have to worry about collections or air conditioning or administration or personality problems in the office sure. or any of that. Mm -hmm. I can just do what a priest does best right what a priest is supposed to do yeah, yeah. that's one of the night we may get into this later on but that's one of the nice things about being retired is that you know you no longer have those organizational responsibilities you don't have to worry about a budget you don't have to worry about anything except being available to do what a priest is supposed to do so yeah. and uh, the only thing you're fighting now is age <laughs> and all the accoutrements that come with with age but uh 
that's a universal fight. So where we can we can handle it. So it's a free and as it's a freeing experience. It's then. a freeing experience. It really is. So you can do things like be on the radio if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other the other thing I noticed or that that hit me when we read the gospel was. I thought it was interesting that they said when he when Jesus went out to pray, he went out to be alone, and it said that the disciples pursued him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of made me wonder if people today are searching for Jesus to heal them today. Uh, I hope so. I know I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am too. Yeah. Absolutely. They don't always realize who they're searching for, though. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the former candidates for president who just last week dropped out, or just this week dropped out, uh, his advertisement for himself was truth. He used to have that word truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think we're all looking for the truth in one way or another. And it may not be political truth, but it's uh, it's uh, truth. It may not be religious truth, at least from what we think. But we're we're looking for something that gives meaning to life, and we as Catholic Christians, as Christians to begin with, we uh, we believe that that meaning comes in finding Jesus, mm-hmm. or maybe more correctly, in allowing Jesus to find us. You know. Yeah, that that old saying about a lie goes around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah truth is an amazing thing. Uh, it has no owners. Mm-hmm. It is un- completely and un- just like God is mm-hmm. unchanging, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't change. Yeah, it always is, always was, always will be. When you realize that, I realized it late in life mm-hmm. that well, how rock solid truth is, and that truth can be found in Jesus and in His Father. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, that'll uh, wrap up our discussion uh, for our reading from Mark. Uh, Those who are just tuning in, Father Mike is at the mic again. Hello. And we are talking with John and Doris Champagne. Yeah, we're here also. We're here. Thanks for joining us on this new adventure. We're happy everyone tuned in. Let us know what you think. In fact, if you'd like to be on the show, we'd love to have you. Uh, Without parishioners to share their stories, the show isn't going to last very long. In fact, it may not last as long as one of Father Mike's homilies. (laughs) (laughs) That was unsolicited, friends, unsolicited. (laughs) Now let's go ahead and move on to tonight's topic. And tonight's topic uh, should be one that Father Mike is very familiar with. We're going to be talking about Well, Father Mike, Uh, who is he? Where does he come from? Where is he going? Okay, that may be a little dramatic, but (laughs) you you get the idea. Father Mike, to get us started, why don't you give us the elevator introduction to Father Mike? Well, you know, this will be pretty boring, you know. I, I told Tony when he first suggested that at the very beginning of this segment of our series that we should do something on me. I said it's going to be pretty boring, but uh, maybe they'll they'll get through it. Um, I'm 80 <laughs> years old. I'm retired. Uh, I've been a priest of the diocese. It's going on 55 years now. Um, 
my work in as a Catholic priest was really centered on education more than anything else, even though that was the very last thing I wanted to do as a priest. The bishop called me aside right before he ordained me, and, and he said, I have a job for you. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm not even ordained yet, and he already has work for me. And he said, I want you to teach in the high school, which I didn't want to do. I was tired of going to classes and writing writing papers and all that kind of stuff. But I found teaching to be most enjoyable and most rewarding. So I spent uh, 11 years at Assumption High School in Davenport, teaching everything from world affairs and world history to Latin. Uh, teaching Latin to sophomore boys is a real experience. <laughs> I had no more desire to learn about. They did, they did learn, they liked learning about the battles of Caesar, but that was about all they enjoyed. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed being with them and participating in the high school activities, going to the football games every Friday night and all the rest of that. So I spent uh, 11 years, I guess it was, at Assumption. And then, uh, like in most things in education, they, they you do what you're supposed to do before they get you ready to do it. And so uh, after, 11, after 11 years, uh, I went to, back to graduate school and picked up a master's degree in education mm. after I'd been teaching 11 years. So that was a, quite an interesting experience. Maybe that was good. Uh, so, and then they sent me to Burlington. So uh, by they, I mean the bishop and his council mm -hmm. and all that. Uh, and so I was here at Notre Dame High School for 12 years. And so, uh, I enjoyed that very much. I lived in St. Paul's for three of those 12 years. And then the, the pastorate of St. Patrick's opened up. And so I moved across town, still teaching every day, but, uh, I spent the mornings, uh, uh, in the parish and the afternoons in the school. And again, I was teaching a multitude of subjects. I was teaching Latin and I was teaching history and religion, of course, one, two, three, and four. And I, I very much enjoyed that. I wound up teaching the kids of people that I went to school with, which was quite an experience because you never know what they were going to be talking about at the the table that night at home, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but I enjoyed that. I, one thing that uh, I did find out is one of the kids said, you know, you taught my mom and dad. And I said, yeah, I guess I did. And they said, that they were talking about you last night. And I said, what'd they say? They, <laughs> they said that they never realized that you had such a sense of humor. You know, when you were a high school kid, you were very serious, <laughs> but you didn't have that sense of humor that you got. And so I think that comes maybe with maturity or something anyway. So I was glad that that's all they said. <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, then I had a few medical problems. I Believe it or not, the people that think that I give long sermons like this because the, I, I was having trouble with my throat and I wasn't, uh, I, I, the doctors didn't really diagnose that, but they said I had to give up teaching for a while to give my throat a rest. They said, you're, you're, abusing your power of speech. And I said, well, okay. So I had to give up preaching and I had to give up teaching. And so I thought, what am I going to do? So I have a, had a good friend of mine at uh, Loris College in Dubuque. He had just died. Uh, he has just died, but he was active as president of the college at that time. And he offered me a place at Loris College. And so I just worked out another graduate degree when I went to Loris College. And, uh, so that was fun. By that time, my throat was all was all uh, fine. 
So uh, I was sent to a parish after that. I went to Holy Family in Davenport, which is one of our largest parishes and has one of our largest school systems. And I was there for 10 or 12 years. And then uh, after that, I went to uh, uh, St. Uh, Wenceslas in Iowa City, which introduced me to a whole new class of people, the university students, and I really enjoyed that very much. And so I was there for 12 years. And uh, so each place I've been, I've been at a significant amount of time. Sure and it's have. almost as if God has opened up different avenues or different doors to deal with different kinds of people. I mean, people are pretty much the same all around. But but uh, I was working with high school kids, and I was working with college kids. I was working with adults, uh, did a lot of marriage counseling, had tons of weddings. Every time I get together with people now, they say, oh, you married me or you married my... <laughs> He married my cousins and relatives and all that, and then tons of funerals and a lot of counseling. So those degrees that I got when I was in school were were profitable, so it helped out. Then in 2013, I retired unofficially, but I stayed at the parish uh, with Father Gary Beckman. A lot of people around here know Father Gary Beckman. He used to be sheriff, youngest sheriff mm-hmm. in Des Moines County, in Iowa, in Des Moines County. And I, I lived at the parish with him. He became pastor after I was pastor there. So I was there for two years in a kind of a subservient role. And, uh, and then I formally retired and came to Burlington. My brother-in-law built me a beautiful little house on Sweeney Avenue, 900 square foot, just a beautiful little place. And uh, in fact, that's where you dug me out tonight from the, <laughs> from the, uh, from the snowstorm. Uh, but anyway, so I've been retired there for the last 10 years, and my job now is just to help out the, the priests. When I was a kid growing up here in Burlington, we had five, had four parishes and two Catholic hospitals, St. Francis and Mercy, okay. and uh, uh, we had 10 priests. Now we have one, two and a half. And I'm the half. So, <laughs> so my job now, it's not really a job, but uh, I'm available to uh, help out those two other priests whenever they need me. So I enjoy that. I really, we've got a wonderful pastor, an associate pastor, and Father Jake and Father Dominic. And uh, we get together about once a week or once every two weeks for a meal or two. And uh, so we work very well together. So that's me. So I think. So the whole time you were teaching, you were also a pastor at the parish, and you were I saying masses. I was either the assistant and... to the pastor, or I was the pastor. Yeah. So, so I was working two, two jobs. You know, I said that to Father Jake one time, and Father Jake is known for doing all kinds of things all at once. And he said, "You just had two extra jobs." He said, "Said meet an expert." So he's been, he's had a lot of. Uh, a lot of extra jobs. He's yeah. got a lot on his plate. A lot on he his does. plate. He, really he does them well, too, I think. Yeah. And that's why it's wonderful running into people like like John and Doris, because, you know, they've got such a wonderful interest in the church, and they do such a good job that it really lightens our load considerably. So, We're, we're blessed to, you know, have you fill in, and then we're also blessed to have two young Young, very young priests mm-hmm. here. With uh, you know, Father Jake is young, but he's got you know he's got a lot of experience for being so young. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. And then Father Dominic is just—he's wonderful, full of energy. Absolutely. 
and 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 madly in love with Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah, we we've. I mean, Father Marty and Father James were great priests. Oh, they now, are. Now we've got Absolutely. another. Now we've got another pair of great priests, and it's just we're just we're just really blessed in Des Moines County to to have the uh, resources. If you're going to refer to priests as resources, well, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, one thing when I, when I first became Catholic, I had to learn this mm-hmm. that um, you get a priest you really connect with, and then they're gone. <laughs> yeah. And it's God's way of teaching you a very valuable, important lesson that you when, when you get don't get to know the priest. No, when you get something <laughs> really good given to in your life, yeah. you're meant to share that with others. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. that. And yeah. he shows that to you. I'm going to put this wonderful priest in your life, and he's going to enrich your life. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to give that gift to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, that goes both ways, too. You know, the priest. Well, for the parishioners, yeah, too. For, yeah. the, for the parishioners, mm-hmm. too. I mean, it, uh, speaking as a priest uh, who's had a lot of different responsibilities, uh, getting that letter saying that you're being transferred to another place is sometimes uh, it's very difficult, you know. I remember when uh, Bishop Zinkola first heard from the Pope that he was being transferred from Davenport to Dubuque as the promoted, being made an archbishop, but still being transferred. It was, he told, he wrote me, and he said it was a very bitter, bittersweet experience mm-hmm. because you fall in love with the people that you're working with. You know, you really do. You they become part of your own family, yes. and then to leave them and go someplace. Uh, in his this case, he was going back home to the Dubuque area where he came from, but still, uh, going into a new segment is a very bittersweet experience, and you miss the people. You okay. miss them. Well, especially with your experience of such such long tenures in area. Right. Yeah. Is that a design of the church, or is that a? I don't know how I want to put this. Are there benefits? from that moving of the priests for the parishes and for the priests and for the church? I think with me, they just forgot where I was. Which <laughs> 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 is, no, not really. They, it used to be, years ago, they said that for a pastor, he was going to be there for six years, you know, like a senator is a senator for six years and up for re-election with one extension. So... Uh, but they haven't always followed that, you know. It depends on the needs of the, the the gifts of the individual person and the needs of the place where he's going to be assigned. Uh, and uh, years ago, it was different. Years ago, a pastor might be. We we have histories of men who were appointed to a parish and were there forty years later, still in the same parish. And then we got to the point where it seemed like every two or four years you were assigned to another parish. Part of that for the, on, the, on the part of the priest is to give them a little bit of a variety of experience from different situ- situations. But there's pro and con in, in, in both ways of looking at it, you know. But I don't think there's any set infallible rule that said you've got to be in a certain place for a certain period of time or anything like that. But it, it seemed like for a while there, every two or three years, they were changing the priests and, and sending them. But well, those the, the, were the uh, associate there, the proprio vicars. 
Well, but we get them for about two years. I'm I'm talking further back. Oh, further back. Okay. Yeah, it that's probably I don't know twenty thirty years ago. It seemed like they moved priests a lot more often. But first of all, they had more priests in those days, so they had more of a more of a an area there, a group of people that they could pick from, and a lot of that was for the benefit of the individual priest, so he could have different experiences, different places, different people. And then that he didn't get too ensconced right in that particular place, you know. Uh, so you're right. It, it seems like according to the different times, you'd, you'd see different ways of doing things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how many parishes have you been in in your career? How many places? Uh, about five, you know. Yeah, I, was in, I was in two different high schools for long periods of time. And I was in three different parishes. And it's a little hard to calculate all that because a lot of them overlapped, you know. So I've never been in a situation where I didn't have anything to do. <laughs> <laughs> Even in retirement, it's just amazing, you know. I still have people call me up with their problems and their difficulties, and I'm more than happy to help out in any way I could, you know. I haven't had many weddings lately. That's not an invitation to people that ask me to have a wedding, but I haven't <laughs> had many since I've been retired. And I, not being a pastor, I don't have too many funerals either. Uh, but that just frees me up to, to deal with other things, you know. So I have people come to my house for spiritual direction and counseling and all that kind of stuff. So it isn't like I'm sitting over there twiddling my thumbs wondering if somebody's going to ring my doorbell. <laughs> but... Uh, it's, it's it's an adjustment, but like I said earlier, you know, it gives me the opportunity to keep up with my reading and my prayers, but it also allows me to do things like this, which I thoroughly enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you talked about your the, the not having administrative duties, right? Being while you've been retired. So, what's the worst part about being retired? Raised, oh, about being retired? Okay. I thought you were going to ask me what's the worst part about those duties. <laughs> I was going to say raising money. Raising money is always the worst part about anything administrative, I think. Um, but uh, the worst part about being retired is you don't have the anchor to the parish that you normally had, you know. So you, you, don't, uh, you don't have that connection with families as close as there are still a few families that you do. I mean, sure. But uh, uh, when you're the pastor of a parish, you're part of every family in that parish, you know. And so family, you know, birthdays and anniversaries and funerals and all the rest, it, that's part of your life as well, you know. So you miss out on that, you know. Seeing the kids grow up. One of the difficulties about being transferred from one place to another is you may baptize, you may marry a couple, and you may baptize their first couple of kids, you know, but you don't get to see them grow up because you're transferred someplace else. Next time you see them, they're graduating from high school, or next time you see them, they're calling you up to, for their, their wedding. So, but it all works out in the end. Mm -hmm. yeah. How many popes have you been a priest? When I was born in 1943, and Pius XII, you probably don't remember him, but Pius XII was the pope. He was a World War II Pope, and then I remember uh, after he died, they elected John the Twenty-Third, who was this roly-poly kind of guy, you know. And, and then after he died, it was uh, uh, Paul the Sixth. Both of those two, by the way, were named saints later on. And then after Paul the Sixth, we had uh, uh, 
John Paul I, who only was Pope for a month. <coughs> now, we, now you're getting into territory I remember. You remember that, okay. I remember he, that. You remember that when he died? Yeah, mm-hmm. he died just shortly after his election. Yep. And then we had John Paul II, who was Pope for 27 years. So you went from one who was probably the shortest reign Pope to one who was the longest. John the twenty third or John Paul the second was Pope for he was the fourth longest Pope in the whole two thousand year history of the church. So, and then uh, after that we have Benedict the sixteenth. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're keeping count or not. And then uh, after that uh, Francis. So, and I was uh, fortunate or blessed enough to uh, met two of those popes. I met uh, Benedict the sixteenth before he was Pope. And I met uh, John Paul II while he was Pope. So, And I've seen Francis. I've never met him, but I've seen him in person. And I, I remember when John Paul II came to Living History Farms in Des Moines. I, I, think, it was, I think it was 1979. 79, yeah. October uh, 4th. I couldn't have told you the date, but I, I remember there. 79. Were you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, my uh, the folks gathered us all five of us up and loaded us in the car, yeah. and we went to Des Moines and we watched, we saw we were there and yeah. attended mass and had communion in the whole nine yards. Remember all those school buses that came from all over the state? Yeah, they canceled school, not just Catholic school, but they canceled schools all over the state of Iowa, and they commandeered all the public school buses mm-hmm. to, to tra- transfer people. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and fifty thousand people were there that day. Can you imagine? It was uh, it was really memorable. That was yeah. that he was, was a charismatic a, man. Oh yes, he was, and he yeah. was a very interesting man personally too. Because I did, I said I got to meet him in nineteen ninety five, and uh, we spent a few moments together. You know, and uh, yeah, he was interested in the fact that we were from Iowa. He always remembered Iowa. He really enjoyed his trip to Iowa. He came to the United States. But uh, a farmer, a local farmer from Des Moines, invited him to come to Des Moines, and he was interested in agriculture. The Pope was, and uh, so he always remembered the, the reception right in the, that he right had. in the thick of it. Now, yeah, he sure was. <laughs> they tell the story about him that after after he uh, uh, gave his mass and talk and everything, he was so impressed with Living History Farms that he asked the pilot of his uh, helicopter, if he would just uh, take another swing around the farms and see all the people, 250,000 people in the helico- helicopter pilot did that, of course. You know, how could you say no to the Pope? So <laughs> anyway, he looked down and he saw all these porta potties that were all lined up for the 250,000 people. And uh, knowing him the way I did, he, he knew what he was doing, but he had a nice sense of humor. And he said to his assistant, his name was Stanislaus. He said, oh, Father Stanislaus, look at all of those confessionals lined up. He said, <laughs> my visit must have been very good because they're all going to confession now. He said, they were using the porty potties of what they were doing. <laughs> all right. Well, that is, uh, we are running out of time. So we're going to have to save some of this for other shows. We will do that. Yeah, we will, this we has will been do fun. that. I hate to cut you off, but well, that's all right. That's okay. There'll be other times. Um, would you like to uh, take us out with a blessing? Here? I will. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you for the many blessings and gifts that you have given to us. We ask you during these cold winter months to remember the warmth of your heart and your mercy for all of us. 
Please take care of all those people who are in need and grant them uh, what they need. Give us the grace to respond willingly to your will in all things. We ask all of this now through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike. You're welcome. And thank you, John and Doris, for, for joining us around the table. Thanks for inviting us. Um, hopefully you'll be back for some subsequent shows. Absolutely. It wasn't too painful, was it? Oh, no. Well, that's good. We want to get other people as well to come and join us, you know. I, yeah, I enjoyed the conversation. It was, it was great. So until our next show, we invite you to join us for Mass to receive God's grace. Consider this a personal invitation to join us in church. If you are attending Mass, invite someone to join you. I'd also like to thank the listeners for tuning in. If you like the show, tell someone. If you didn't like the show, tune in again the next time and, and uh, hopefully it'll get better. You can listen to Father Mike at the Mic on the radio, listen on our website, kcdmradio.org, or go to tunein.com for the podcast. Until then, remember, God loves you and has a plan for your life. Let him in when he knocks. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 